One that April with its showers a sweeter, the drought of March a pursed to the rooter, than longing folk to go in on pilgrimages of England to Canterbury they went there. All right, all right, I know, my middle English is not so hot. <laughs> and contrary to, to popular opinion, middle English was not the common language when I was in grade school. I'm not quite that old. But you will, of course, recognize the opening of Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, Chaucer's wonderful observations of the pilgrims on that long walk to Canterbury to the shrine of Thomas a Becket. Those pilgrims who are so much like us. The partner, the miller, the Franklin. Yeah, and the, the wife of Bath, she was there too. On a walk. But it wasn't just any walk. It was a pilgrimage. It was a sacred walk. It was a holy walk. The kind of a walk that is healing to body and mind and soul. I think those pilgrims were on to something. I mean, isn't it the case that taking a walk is kind of a sacred thing? That, that it's holy? I'm not talking about the rushed walk when you jump out of your car and run into the giant or the safe way and hurry about and frantically go back to move on to your next appointment. Not that walk. But the slow, relaxed, casual walk. The kind of a walk when you see the blue sky and listen to the birds sing and see the beauty of the daffodils and the tulips in bloom. The kind of a walk when you just breathe in the good fresh air and hear the soft sound of the crunch of the earth beneath your feet. The kind of a walk where you say hello to a passing stranger or Pause to speak to a neighbor. The kind of a walk where you notice the strata of the rocks, some of which are millions, maybe even billions of years old. The kind of a walk where you stop and tell a flowering cherry tree it's doing a good job. That kind of a walk. It's sacred. It's holy. We have an English word for that kind of walk. It's the word saunter. Actually, saunter comes from the French santa terra, which means holy land. That kind of a walk, you're on holy land. And it's not just the walk of an afternoon, but the walk of life. That journey of life that we're on, that walk of life is walked on holy ground. Every day, every second is holy ground. All of life is lived on holy ground. If only we would understand it. To be born is holy. To be baptized is holy. To run and play leapfrog as a child, that's holy. To go to school and to grow up and mature is holy. To fall in love and get married and raise children, that's holy. To find your life's work and to do it, to serve others and to fulfill yourself, that's holy. 
to play catch with a grandchild. That's really holy. To grow old. To die. It's all holy. All of life is lived on Santa Terra. Because the holy is in our midst. And unfortunately, so often we do not know it. We do not recognize the presence of the holy in our midst. So it was for those two who were on the road to Emmaus in the scripture lesson that Mel just read. It was Easter afternoon. These two were walking seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a long walk but manageable. As they walked, they were talking about the events of the past few days. Listen to what they said. We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. They've got to be among the saddest words ever spoken. They're thinking of Jesus' arrest. His crucifixion, His death, His burial, sealed in the tomb. Oh, we had hoped He would redeem Israel, but now our hopes are dashed. He's dead. He's in the tomb. He's sealed behind a big rock. And all hope is gone. But into that scene, a stranger appears. It's the risen Christ. It's the Lord, the living Lord of life. And he walks along beside them as if he had nothing else to do but simply to go with those two. That's seven miles on the road to Emmaus. He was there. He was there beside them. And they did not recognize him. They did not know who it was. Now, now why didn't they recognize the risen Christ? Well, maybe they had never seen him. So they wouldn't know what he looked like and just didn't recognize him. That's possible. I don't think that's the real answer. I think they did not recognize the Christ. In fact, the text says their eyes were kept from seeing him. They did not recognize him because they did not expect to see him. They did not recognize Him for the same reason that we do not always recognize the presence of the Holy in our daily walk on Santa Terra. They knew, like we know, that when you're dead, you're dead. You don't just rise up. Jesus was in His tomb. Hopes were dashed. That's the end of the story. All this hearsay about an empty tomb, a missing stone. All the hearsay about visions of angels. That's not going to do it. And they did not, as we do not, recognize Him. Well, it's easier that way, isn't it? Isn't it easier if Jesus stays sealed in a tomb? If Jesus stays sealed in the tomb, we don't have to deal with Him. If Jesus stays sealed in the tomb, He makes no claim upon our lives, no demands upon our time or our energy or our talents. If Jesus is sealed in the tomb, we don't have to worry about this stuff about loving your neighbor or loving your enemy, of all things. If Jesus is sealed in the tomb, we don't have to worry about forgiving one another or walking through the narrow gate 
or being the salt of the earth or the light of the world. Why would anyone want to do that? If Jesus says, sealed in the tomb, we don't have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We can go on being worried about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and how we're going to pay the bills and how we can get more and more and more. If Jesus stays sealed in the tomb, we can simply go visit the gravesite, take some flowers, place a wreath, and then get on with our lives. But you see, we can't do that. You see, they don't make a stone so big that he can't move it. They don't make a seal so tight that he can't break out of it. Jesus Christ is alive. He lives forevermore. He is the Lord of life, the Lord of death. He walks day by day beside us on that walk through life, on those sacred holy walks, if only we knew it. You cannot keep Him sealed in the tomb. I feel sorry for atheism. For folks whose maybe eyes are still closed or who are trying to keep him sealed in the tomb because it can't be done. I think being an atheist is something like a kid who takes a bucket of water and throws it up in the air thinking he's going to put out the stars. Well, no matter how many buckets you throw up into the air, the stars just keep on shining. And so it is with the light of Christ that it keeps right on shining, no matter what others may say. That love keeps on going. He is there. He's alive. He lives forevermore. And He walks beside us on that journey of life. Let's go back to the two on the road to Emmaus. They're walking along. Christ is there. They don't recognize Him. But now Christ begins to unpack the Scriptures for them. Uh, Listen to what it says in the text. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in the scriptures the things concerning himself. Was it not necessary that Christ, the Messiah, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Wasn't it necessary? It's perfectly logical. It makes sense. The Christ, the Messiah, the Savior... He's not going to save us as as long as He's sitting on a throne somewhere in a far corner of the universe. He saves us by entering into our human life, by taking on our human sufferings, by dying our human death, by being raised in triumph over death. That's how He saves us. Was it not necessary? About this time, they finally arrive at Emmaus. It's getting dark. It's late. The two graciously invite Jesus into the home. And at this point, Jesus does something very interesting. Now, you've got to listen closely to the text. Listen closely to the verbs and to the sequence of verbs in the text. It says that Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Sound familiar? That's the same sequence of verbs that was used at the Last Supper. It's the same sequence of verbs that Christian ministers and priests use whenever we consecrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. 
in that breaking of bread, the risen Christ is present with us in a real and powerful way. And Luke says, in that breaking of bread, their eyes were opened. They realized it was the Christ that he was alive. They knew he was the Lord. Their eyes were opened. And there's a wonderful verse in the text. It says, their hearts burned within them. Don't you love it? Their hearts burned within them. And then you know what happens next. Now, now this is rich. Get a load of this. The Sioux go rushing out the door. They go back on the road, back to Emmaus. It's seven miles. It's dark. It's late. Doesn't matter. No, when you're filled with the joy of the resurrection, you can't hold it in. You've got to share it. They had to go back and share it with the disciples. You've got to live it. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to express it. When finally your eyes are opened and you know that the risen Christ is there beside you. Friends, Christ is made known in Scripture. Read the Scriptures. Christ is present in the breaking of bread. Receive the sacrament every chance you get. And Christ is present in the daily walk and in the lifelong walk as we traverse over that Santa Terra, that holy land, that land in which the holy is present, if only we realize it. He's present. So take a walk. Take a walk. This afternoon, early this evening, it's a beautiful day. Don't sit at home. Take a walk. And let your eyes be opened to the living Christ. And if you do, if you do, like our great father in the faith, John Wesley, your heart will be strangely warmed. No, no. Not warmed. More than warmed. Your heart will burn within you. So be it. Amen.